Today on Let the Bible Speak. When the Old Testament prophets pointed their telescopes toward New Testament times, they saw the Church of Christ. Today we look at the church as the prophet Isaiah saw it nearly 700 years before it was built. And welcome to the broadcast today. Thank you for joining me for Let the Bible Speak. I count it a great privilege to be invited into your home or wherever you may be to study the Bible with you for a little bit. The church is the greatest establishment that has ever been or ever will be on the face of this earth. It did not simply emerge in the course of time. It was firmly planted here by the hand of God and therefore it had a definite beginning and it has a divine purpose for existing in the world. Our scripture reading today will come from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. These words written nearly seven centuries before Jesus was born. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now the New Testament, of course, reveals the church which Jesus built. When it was built, where it was built, by whom it was built, and how men and women become members of it. But so does the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before it was established. So today our study is going to deal with that idea, and we're going to entitle our lesson, The Church That Isaiah Saw. And I'll return to the lesson after a song from the congregation.
the Church of Christ is a divine institution built by Christ 2,000 years ago and is the product of a plan which reaches back before the beginning of what we know as time. The Church was not in any way an afterthought of God or a happy coincidence of events. It was instead carefully planned by God, executed by Christ, and revealed by His Holy Spirit. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in the 10th verse, that the manifold wisdom of God is made known by the church according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you go back to chapter 1, Paul shows that those who are in Christ, meaning His church, were predestinated by God to be His people. And in verse 23, he calls the church Christ's body, which is the fullness of Him who fills all in all. In other words, the church of Christ is the manifestation of all that God planned and purposed from before the beginning of time. Well, this means that the church is not just a phase in God's unfolding plan for man. It is the fulfillment of God's plan on this earth. It is not a temporary measure to fill a gap in God's overall plan. It was and is the fruition of God's plan for the ages. Now you may say, well, I thought the sending of Jesus was the fulfillment of God's plan. Well, yes, that's certainly correct, but the church is the result of Christ's redemptive work, you see. Paul also told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made both, Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So you see, the body was the result of Christ's work upon the cross. He died upon the cross so that He might reconcile all men unto God through Himself in His body, which according to Colossians 1 and verse 18 refers to His church. So the church is the result of God's planning and execution of God's plans throughout time. Now with that said, it shouldn't surprise us to find the Old Testament prophets talking about the church as they pointed their divine telescopes far ahead in time. The prophets of the Old Testament not only knew about the church, but they prophesied about it. And that's very important to understand because there is a teaching among many denominations that suggests that the church is only one step along the way in God's program. In fact, historically, those who promoted this doctrine a few years ago went as far as to suggest that the church was not God's primary plan, but rather it was a necessary stopgap since His ultimate plan was interrupted by the Jewish leader's rejection of the Messiah. In other words, Jesus came the first time to offer His kingdom to the Jews of the first century, but since they rejected Jesus, well, He delayed that plan and instead set up the church and brought Gentiles into it until one day Christ will come again and the next time the Jewish nation will receive Him and He will finally be able to set up His kingdom. Well, first of all, the Jews' rejection of Jesus in no way took God by surprise. They didn't throw a wrench in God's plan. They did not force God to change directions and come up with an alternative until some better time. Second, the Bible does not describe the church as an alternative or a later plan to fill a gap in time, but rather it was the result of what the prophets prophesied about. 
Even though many prophecies of the Old Testament had a short-term and more immediate fulfillment among the Jewish nation of that time, ultimately their prophecies pointed to the Christ and the church that would result from His redemptive work. The church which would be made up of Jew and Gentile alike with no distinction made between them according to Galatians chapter 3 verses 26 through 28. Now some proponents of the doctrine of dispensational premillennialism, which is probably the most popular idea about end times among denominations today, some proponents say that this church age was hidden from the Old Testament prophets. They didn't know anything about it. Uh, when they were prophesying about the kingdom, they were pointing far ahead of our own time to uh, end times. We shall see, however, that that's just simply not the case, as Isaiah clearly knew about the church and he prophesied about the church. Isaiah is just one of the prophets who foretold the church, and he did so in a way that we not only can see the importance and the eternal nature of the church, but we can learn some things about its establishment that will help us identify it and pick it out from amidst the maze of confusion that has been created by denominationalism and humanly built religious institutions of our day in the last many hundreds of years. You know, men have built a myriad of organizations over the many centuries since Christ and His apostles lived on earth, but Jesus only built one church. And Isaiah, 700 years before the fact, foretold its establishment. Let's read again in Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The scripture says, The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now first we know that Isaiah is talking about the church because he calls it the Lord's house. Now some contend that phrase refers to a new temple to one day be built in Jerusalem in, in future days. But when we get to the New Testament, we find the apostles referring to the Lord's house as the church. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15 how to conduct himself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now the physical temple of the Old Testament typified the spiritual temple that Christ would build under the new covenant. Paul told the church at Corinth, speaking of the church, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. So Isaiah says that the Lord's house, where the Lord dwells, it would one day be established, which the apostles later identified as the Lord's church. But also notice when he says it would be established. He says, in the last days or in the latter days, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established. Now, many confuse this expression, the latter days or the last days, with the days immediately preceding the end of time. But that's not what that phrase refers to in the Bible. When Bible writers use the expression, the last days, they weren't talking about the end of time or the second coming of Christ, but rather they were talking about the final dispensation of time that Christ would usher in, the time of Christ's rule. 
Now, we're living in the last dispensation of time on earth now. And we have been living in the last dispensation since Christ came and ushered it in and established the church in the first century. How do we know that? Well, for one thing, the phrase last days was used all throughout the Old Testament going all the way back to Genesis. And if you go back and do a study of that phrase, the context shows us that the phrase merely means later days or latter days or future times. It doesn't necessarily refer to a specific window of time before the end of the world, but merely to days still future from the time the words were spoken. Second, comparing the Old Testament prophecies with the writing of the New Testament shows this to be the case. For example, the prophet Joel prophesied about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of power in the early church in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Now then notice when Peter says that Joel's prophecy was fulfilled. He, he tells us when that prophecy was, was brought to pass. In Acts chapter 2, after the apostles were immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, well, some accused them of being drunk, you may recall. But Peter denied that accusation, saying, beginning in verse 15, For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Well, what did Joel say? Well, Peter goes on to verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So Peter says what you're seeing now is the fulfillment of what Joel prophesied, and Peter said what Joel prophesied would take place in the last days. So Peter's saying they were then in the last days. And notice the connection that Peter makes when he says, this is that and in the last days. So Isaiah is simply saying, from the standpoint in which he wrote 700 years before Christ, that in the future, in the latter days, and more specifically in the last dispensation of time which would begin at Christ, he says, then the mountain of the Lord's house, the church, would be established. Next, he tells us where the church would be established. He says in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now Zion refers to Jerusalem. And Isaiah says that when the Lord's house would be established, the law would go forth from that city. Well, that's where we find the apostles in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost where Peter identified them as being in the last days seeing the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And on that day, Peter, filled with and inspired by the Holy Spirit, issued the terms of entering the new covenant and the church of Jesus Christ. He preached that Jesus was the promised Christ and had been exalted as king at God's right hand, that he was occupying David's throne. And the people convicted of their sins of crucifying and rejecting Jesus before that point and believing the message that Peter now preached about Christ, they asked, what shall we do? And notice Peter commanded them in verse 38 to repent and be baptized in the name of or by the authority of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And when they did, according to verses 41 and 47, the Lord added them to the church. Well, Isaiah said that when the law went forth from Zion or from Jerusalem, not Rome, 
not somewhere in Germany or Switzerland or anywhere else from Jerusalem. He says all nations would flow into the Lord's house. Now that's what the book of Acts chronicles beginning with the day of Pentecost. Jews and Gentiles, people of all nations, entered into the church after hearing and obeying the preaching of the gospel we read throughout the first 11 chapters of Acts. So notice not only when the church was to be established, where it was to be established, how people entered it when it was established, but also who would enter it when it was established. He says all nations would flow unto it. Well, if you recall in Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And within, a short, and within a short time of Pentecost, just a few years, Gentiles began to enter into this kingdom. The kingdom began to spread uh, throughout the Roman Empire and ultimately over the globe. This is a beautiful picture that Isaiah is painting. You may remember that the literal temple that stood in Jerusalem during the Old Testament dispensation could only be entered by priestly Jews. Gentiles were restricted to the court of the Gentiles, which was a separate part along the outer perimeter of the temple area. It was blocked off by a large stone wall, and a Gentile could be put to death if they crossed that barrier. Christ, by His death upon the cross, though, spiritually tore down that wall. And Gentiles were allowed to enter his spiritual temple along with Jews who placed their faith in Christ. So Isaiah tells us that when the Lord's house would be established, all nations would flow unto it. There were all nations represented on the very day of Pentecost, the day of its establishment. And as the kingdom continued to expand, Jew and Gentile alike from all over the world came into that organization and that institution. So you see, the church that Isaiah saw and that Christ later built was established in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago. It was not established in Galilee during the ministry of Jesus. It was not established along the banks of the Jordan River by John the Baptist. It wasn't established in Rome or in Germany or Switzerland or England or Scotland or America. It wasn't built in 1517 or in 1609 or in 1738, but it was built in 30 A.D. And friend, let me kindly say that you and I would be wise to be sure that we're part of the church that was built at that time and in Jerusalem and not in one that was built in some other place at some other time by some other person. Finally, notice the nature of the church as Isaiah foretold it. In verse 4 he says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Well, what Isaiah is telling us is this would be a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual organization, not a national or geopolitical one. It would not take up arms and fight as ancient Israel was called to do. It would not conquer territory and subjugate people by military conquest or by physical force. But rather this kingdom would be established, would spread, and would be safeguarded by the work of Christ and the gospel. The word of God is its defense. The sword that soldiers in the army of God today carry is the word of God. The preaching of the gospel is the only assault on the forces of darkness and wickedness. 
It would not be a temporal kingdom set up by Christ as some people are anticipating. It would be a spiritual kingdom ruled over by Christ from the new Jerusalem heaven above. And its territory would be the hearts of men the world over. And it would gain territory and conquer its enemies by the power of the word that it was given. Now how do we access this house of God that Isaiah prophesied about? Notice verse 3, he says, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You see, you don't wait for some irresistible operation of the Holy Spirit. But rather you must simply decide to go up to the mountain of the Lord and be taught of his ways. In other words, you must be willing to hear the gospel of Christ, believe it, and obey it. And only by hearing and being taught the ways of the Lord can one be converted and enter into Christ's kingdom. Jesus said, Everyone that has heard from the Father and has learned comes unto me. John 6, verse 45. Are, are you really part of this wonderful, wonderful institution Isaiah prophesied about? Or are you instead part of a church built by man? Have you been taught of God by hearing the gospel preached and have you believed it and obeyed it as they did on the day of Pentecost when they entered that which Isaiah foretold? Have you repented of your sins and been baptized by Christ's authority for the forgiveness of your sins? Well, if not, I say along with Isaiah in verse 5 of our text, Come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. There is nothing I would trade for the
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos, including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Surely if the church was planned by God from the foundation of the world, it was prophesied by His many prophets who came through the course of time, and it was built by the hand of Jesus, well, surely it's an important thing to God today. And surely it's important that you and I are a part of it. The church is not an individual. The church is a group of individuals. It's a group of people who together form the body of Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, you're a part of that body, and you're to be a faithful and active part of that body. If we can assist you in learning more about the church of the Lord Jesus and how to become part of it, how to become a Christian, we would be happy to sit down and open the Bible with you and to help you take the steps necessary to become a child of God. If you would like a free printed copy of our lesson today, we'll be glad as always to send it to you. We never charge a dime for anything we offer here on the program. It's yours for the asking. And if you'd like a transcript of today's sermon, ask us for the lesson, The Church That Isaiah Saw, and we'll get it to you as quickly as we can. Remember, you can find us online, ltbstv.org, as well as social media. And we have a podcast that you can subscribe to and listen on the go. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope to see you back here next time, if God is willing, for another time of Bible study together and encourage others to watch and follow along as well. I hope you have a great week ahead, and may God keep you in the hollow of His hand until we meet again. God bless. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.